Welcome everyone to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. We are reporting to you uh, and talking to you about the Derby game, if game is what you can call it, against uh, Manchester United. And uh, as usual, I've got uh, uh, the same two with me to talk about this. And uh, let's start off and welcome them both. We've got uh, Press Switch Blue, Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? I'm good. I was disappointed after yesterday, but I'm sure we'll come on to that. But apart from right. that, very well. Yeah, one of the more one of the 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 most unexpected adjectives I I thought you might use, but uh, okay, uh, disappointing. All right, what about uh, Ray? Ray, how are you doing? Uh, physically, I'm all right, Mike. Physically, I'm all right. Uh, I hope you got your your bleeper on because the you know it might be uh, <laughs> some choice language words used later on, but I, I wasn't disappointed with yesterday. You know, I, I was. Um, can I go a little bit further and say disgusted by the lack of ambition shown by Manchester City? Well, I think uh, that's the uh, first thing that we're going to kick off with, uh, guys. I'm just going to make a little comment. Now, normally Ray is uh, one for the uh, the long rants. And if you just indulge me for um, 10 or 20 seconds, um, the opening question uh, is, uh, I'll just uh, ask the opening question and, uh, and I'll back it up a little bit. And uh, the question is, has Pep lost his balls? Because watching that, particularly in the light of watching Leipzig running them ragged, there were lots of possibilities that Pep could have done. One of the most disappointing things was to see how lovey-dovey he was after the game with people like Carrick and everybody else. And also you had that sort of love affair and Harry Maguire. And uh, uh, I was listening actually to the pod called The Main Road Ramble with them. Um, some of our, our uh, city-loving um, colleagues there on another pod, and they made the point that, um, you know, when Pep was playing in the Classico, I mean, he, re- he really wanted it. Um, and they made the point that uh, Pep doesn't care. He was happy with the point against United. He was happy with the point against Liverpool. And um, he had creative possibilities uh, open to him. I mean, don't think that he didn't. He could have played... Uh, Cancelo on the right, he could have played Mendy on the left and given us some width. He could have uh, given us uh, Ferran Torres uh, and uh, Foden. And we all saw what difference that Ferran Torres uh, did make where, when he came on. It looked a lot more zippy uh, after that. But uh, the double pivot again, um, this time with uh, Rodri and uh, Fernandinho. Um, yeah, let me just start off with... Um, Colin Savage has Pep lost his balls in in games with with the basically with teams who've got a little bit of pushback, whether it's Liverpool with their pressing or 
Manchester United with their ability on the counter-attack? Well, I, I can't speak for Pep, but what it seems to me is a, a, a long-time watching fan is we've almost regressed to a point where we were happy to go to Old Trafford and get a draw. Now, I suppose in the context of the last couple of derby games, um, that, that or the, certainly the last derby game, that's probably a decent result, but uh, it's not what we expect, is it? It's um, you know, I remember the days where we were happy to go to Old Trafford and get a draw, and but that you know that was a different team. When you look at some of the games we've had in the last few years, there, you know the the six one, and then the you know the two games after where we absolutely slaughtered United, maybe not to the same extent. Um, the game in two thousand and nineteen um, where we won two nil there, and and again it was um, a bit of a stroll to be honest. But United aren't that much better than they were back then, and and it's very disappointing to see us go there and seemingly look to settle for a nil-nil draw. I mean, that's the sort of thing that we'd have been happy with in Stuart Pearce's day. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Ray? Bring back Stuart Pearce, that's all I say. I mean, you know, uh, it's not different uh, to the fair uh, offered yesterday as to what the fair offered uh, in back in about 15 years ago. Um, look, Mike, it was, it was a hugely disappointing, uh, boring, tedious game. Um, we set our stall out early that we weren't going to concede or we were going to try and um, hold back the uh, thronging hordes of United attackers. Uh, I, I say that uh, sarcastically uh, with our two defensive midfielders, which I, I'll, I'll repeat. I, 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 I've said it many times. I don't know what Rodri brings us. I don't know what he brings us. We're passing it around at the back for the sake of passing it around at the back. And I... But I've, I've, I've said this in previous seasons. If you um, go out and win the game, then you, you're still a genius, you know. And we ha- we still had our chances to win that game, even with our negative setup and our negative performance. We still had enough good chances to win that game. United had a few chances to win it themselves. But we, uh, and I've said it for even in our form, um, formidable season, I said we're not as clinical as we should be, and we had the chances. And when you don't take the few good chances you have, you're going to struggle. And, you know, Pet might be happy with the point. I'm certainly not happy. And I said this on the pod last week, and I'll, I'll extend it because we played another game since. We have played teams above us. We played five games against teams above us. We've lost two and drawn three. We've got three points from teams above us in the league. That's Spurs, um, Liverpool, Leicester, uh, West Ham who are above us, and United, who are above us. Against teams in the bottom six, we played them four times. We've won each single time. Probably after Tuesday when we play West Brom, that will be five out of five. We are now simply flat-track bullies. Against better teams, we're just happy to hang on for a draw. That's not uh, the pep that we knew from a couple of years ago, you know, two or three years ago. And it's not what we should We shouldn't be hanging on for draws. We shouldn't be happy with that. You know, we, we should be there. In, we lost three times to, you know, United last season. So that was painful for the fans. And it's painful. I mean, it's not, about, it's not just about one game, is it? As you said, it's about the way we've played this season. And, and I think particularly this season. Um, last season, OK, injuries we know disrupted us. But this season, you know, we've got... I, I thought we were back to it against Fulham and Burnley. But as you say... You know, the teams above us, uh, we lost to Leicester. Uh, drawing at Leeds was probably not a bad result of the circumstances. But, but Leeds, Leeds, what, 15th in the table? Yeah, yeah. 
So Leeds but, you know, are, are low on the table now. But guys, doesn't this call out, surely it's crying out for just a little bit of creative thinking? For example, here's an idea just off the top of my head. Stick Sterling on the right. Oh, we've been saying that uh, all season. We've been saying that last season, Mike. I'll tell you a little bit about Sterling. Sterling does not create for the team anymore. He doesn't. He didn't do it last season. Last season, in a whole Premier League season, Sterling had one Premier League assist. For me, that's not creating for your teammates. He scored 20 Premier League goals, and that's the headline figure. That's what people talk about. Say, wow, Sterling had a great season. He scored 20 goals. But hang on a minute. The previous two seasons, Sterling got something like 18 and 17 goals. So 20 goals wasn't a massive leap for him. But what was a massive drop was the number of assists. The two previous seasons, um, in the Centurion season and the formidable season, Sterling had, if I remember correctly, 29 Premier League goals and assists in the Centurion season. 29. And I think it was 27 in the following season. Last season, it was 21. People have ignored or forgotten about his um, the paucity of his assists. One Premier League assist, to me, shows me that you're not playing for the team as much as you used to. The, the extra goals, he's got some good goals from cutting inside, putting them in the far corner. So he's got a few more goals. But maybe that's from being a little bit more greedy as well and thinking for yourself. So put him on the right. We saw the game the other week where he's, um, he missed a chance on the left. Uh, was it the Champions League or the Fulham game? He missed a chance on the left. And then he scored coming through the middle or slightly on the right, on his right foot, putting it in the far corner. I think it was a Fulham game. So we've seen, we know he can do it. And Pep's just doing this. It is, you're doing the same thing again and again and again. And it's not really working. Surely you've got to mix it up, change things around. Put, um, you know, Sterling on the right. Try Cancelo on the right, like you said, Mike, because both Cancelo and Sterling want to cut in. So they're making it narrower. Mares wants to cut in. Walker comes inverted. You're making everything really narrow, guys. We need to expand that that pitch. We need to make that pitch as big as possible. And um, I said this last week. I'm sure I said this last week after the Fulham game. When we were exceptional, we had our fullbacks on the touchline. We had our wingers hugging the touchline and making the pitch as wide as possible, forcing um, our opponents to spread, spread themselves out a little bit more thinly. We're not doing that anymore. And you know, we'll talk about personnel. I'll mention it now. Two seasons ago, we had people at the top of their game. We had people like company. We had an attack of David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Leroy Sane, Aguero and Sterling, all at the top of the game, supported by Fernandinho at the top of his game uh, as a defensive midfielder. Now, we need two defensive midfielders. We have Rodri, as I said, I don't know what he does. We have Rodri and either Gundogan or Fernandinho. So now we need two there. We And, and we've lost people like Silva. We've lost Yaya Toure. Uh, Fernandinho is a couple of years older. Aguero is older and he's not playing anymore because he's injured. We haven't replaced them. We haven't replaced like for like. You know, we've finally got someone who we think could well be a, a replacement for company in Ruben Diaz. He does look, uh, uh, hopefully, the, uh, the real deal. But in th for me, in three seasons, he's the only person we've purchased in the last three summers that is first team quality. Everybody else, and that includes Mares, that includes Cancelo, Angelino when we got him, and anybody else, nobody else has been automatic first team quality. So we've replaced exceptional generational talents with squad players. And uh, Colin Savage, here's another thing. 
Um, we mentioned the idea of putting Sterling on the right, where, you know, most people feel that he always, you know, offered uh, better con uh, contributions. But there was someone sitting on that bench who would have been absolutely bitching to win that game. And that was Phil Foden. He would definitely have been, um, uh, you know, I, I know that Pep is generally reluctant or seems to be generally reluctant to, to start him in in some big games, which is a bit baffling. I mean, he would have given us something, uh, Ferran Torres as well, instead of Gabriel Jesus. Um, Pep seems to have a, an awfully bad case of stubbornness, doesn't he? Yes. Um, it was interesting um, because, uh, you know, for me, the argument about whether Sterling plays on the left or right, I don't care which side of the bench he sits on, as long as he sits on the bench, because he's not <laughs> doing it for us. I don't care how good he's been. You're only as good as your next game or your last game. And Sterling's last game has been awful for a while now. Occasionally, as Ray said, pop up with a goal, but he's contributing nothing to the team. I wouldn't have even had him on the pitch yesterday. Um, and I certainly would have had him off after about an hour, having seen the way, the, 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 the kind of contribution he made. In fact, you know, I don't want to get. I don't want to be seen to get that one particular player. We know what a great player he can be when he's on form and in the mood. But for me, that that the scene was set almost in the first few minutes when he received a good position in the United area and he just knocked it out of play for a goal kick. Yeah. And there was no reason for that. He miscontrolled it, and he I just miscontrolled it. His technique is not great. He um, controlled it with the wrong foot. He controlled it with his right foot instead of his left. If Mares was there, he controls it with his left. And he has a shot against the goalkeeper, a great chance. Sterling yeah. tried to control with his wrong foot, went out. So, so well, you know, the lineup that Pep started with, and finally Pep thinks he can do it. But uh, just reading, say, Jonathan Wilson in The Guardian, uh, and he was saying that United's two banks of four kept very narrow. And that, that we should have, as Ray said, we should have exploited that. We should have gone down the flanks. We should have stretched them a bit. And we didn't. But it was clear. Uh, I, I think the, the most... All right, the first half wasn't bad. We had that uh, Mares chance in the first half, which we... Uh, unusually, he miscontrolled slightly. Um, but in the second half, we did nothing. We absolutely... We were seemingly quite happy. It was almost like an arranged draw, uh, a pre-season friendly, behind closed doors, where the, the main object is not to hurt each other, to get a bit of game time into players' legs. But we know we're 11... Nearly a dozen games into the season. And... Yeah, fine. You know, the lineup was started. I couldn't see anything particularly wrong with it at, at the start, but it wasn't working. In the second half, we almost we had the chance. We had two options: one to sit sit back and accept the way it was, and the other was to try and mix it up a bit. Bring Phil Foden. I, I'd have take put Foden on for Sterling because Foden gives you a bit of directness that wasn't working for Sterling. You know, he will get. Uh, what, as you say, what better dream for a, for a Manchester lad, a City fan, to play in a derby game? And he sat on the bench. Bernardo Silva, he's not had the best um, season, but take him off for Rodri. Uh, take Rodri off and put Bernardo on. You know, put. And even the commentators I was watching would say, United, the last 20 minutes, United look a bit tired. And we didn't do anything. The man who has been screaming for five subs made one. We didn't do anything to freshen it up. And that, I think, is most people's complaint. And that, that's another thing, Ray, isn't it? Because people have been criticising Pep for his use of substitutions. But it's not just that, is it? 
It's his in-game tactical decisions. Now, here's a question, Ray. Are you still happy or happy at all that Pep's been given a uh, a, a new two-year contract? Because, you know, um, what could, you know, make a big difference is is having a, a bit of a fresh approach. It's been a while. Well, I, when, when he signed it, uh, I said, doesn't mean he's going to stay. It, all it does is, in, the, in a Manuel uh, Pellegrini way, keep people quiet. N- now no one's talking about uh, Pep's contract. The same way with Manuel Pellegrini when he did that one-year extension. Actually, we knew he wasn't going to stick. We were sure he wasn't going to stick around. But no one's now talking about Pep's contract because he signed it. But there's nothing to stop him leaving at the end of the season. This just keeps people quiet. It keeps the, the players, hopefully, keeps them more focused. Um, to listen to him because they think, all right, he's going to stay. We've got to still do the business. So, you know, up and down with me with Pep because I, I said it before, when he, when what he does works, we all turn around and say he's a genius. And when it doesn't, we say he's, he's you know, uh, I've said it, the line between a genius and a fool is is um, very, very narrow. And sometimes Pep, it feels like he's got one foot in both camps. You know, to, to keep doing the same thing again and again, insisting on playing uh, Sterling. Look, where is Emeric Laporte? He's sitting on the bench. Why? Because apparently Pepper said, you cannot rely on your past um, deeds. You cannot rely on your reputation. So he does, he, he dumps Laporte. And I'm, I'm, I agree with that. Stones and Diaz are the two for me right now. But he doesn't leave Sterling out because Sterling has been relying on his um, past deeds and his reputation for over a season now. I was calling it last September. I said he's not the same player. He's not doing enough for the team. Okay, He's still popping up and scoring goals because City creates so much. And anybody, almost anybody, given a tap-in, will tap it in. Except sometimes Sterling, as uh, we'll remember against uh, Lyon, an open goal he misses. So Pep keeps doing the same thing. That's frustrating. Pep doesn't... It, you know, if I hear him talk about five subs again, you know, I would love some journalists to say, "Pet, do one, leave it out." You know, Come, no, no. But the problem is, you've got the journalist who, if if you're a Manchester City reporting journalist for one of the national papers or for Goal or Athletic or something, are you going to call Pep out at a press conference and then not get any secret tidbits to help do your exclusives? No, you're not going to do that. But as a fan, I want to know why Pep. Keep saying we want five subs and then I'll only use one. I want to know why Pep will not play Phil, uh, Phil Foden. I understand he's not starting him in, in the league. Why won't you bring him on at all? I want to understand why Pep won't go for it against the top teams. Why he's happy to settle for a draw against Liverpool and a draw against United. I, I, I want to know you know, why he's making some of the decisions. Why we need a double pivot. I want to know what uh, Rodri's bringing to the team apart from making it simple, easy passes. You know, I want to know why Fernandinho can't do that job on his own, even though he's 35. He's still, for me, better at that position than Rodri. I want to know why Sterling's on the left and not the right. I want to know why you know you're doing X, Y, and Z and when things aren't working. I want to know why you're putting high crosses in when we've got no one in the box. I want to know, for instance, what there's a still of a picture of um, T- uh, Ferran Torres. I think KDB passes to him. He passes back, and KDB puts the ball in the box. We had nobody in the box. Nobody. Where was Raheem Sterling? We had nobody in the box for a very good ball. The person who actually got that ball at the in the end, because it didn't go out, it went along the touchline, was Joao Cancelo, our left back. Where's our players in the box? There's times and times 
we saw in, in previous seasons. Do you remember? Was it Otamendi scoring a goal against United in their box? We had players in the box, unusual players in the box. We don't have anybody in the box. We have no portrait. I want to know my last point. This, I could go on for 10 minutes. You know that. I want to know why at the start of the season, when we knew Aguero was injured, he wasn't going to be back for at least a month. Okay, We went into the season with one striker in Gabriel Jesus. Why we didn't go into the market and buy a backup striker? Because we weren't... We, we were, And we've seen Aguero has not been fit for five to six months. And we've got no backup. Gabriel Jesus, for how hard he works and everything else, we needed a striker who, given that one chance, that wonderful pass from Mares, that cross from Mares, puts that ball away. And Gabriel Jesus, when we needed it, didn't put it away. So, you know, I want to answers to all these questions. And we're never going to get them from the, the, the journalists out there asking the questions. As I said, they want to keep their jobs. So they're not going to ask uh, these hard questions a press conference. And so is Pep the right man? I don't know. He's got to change because he can't keep playing this system with the personnel he's got. He can't do it. And if we're not going to buy the right personnel, don't try and squeeze the wrong personnel into the system. Maybe he has to change the system, which is what he's done with the two defensive midfielders. But that just, you know, we haven't got the personnel ahead of the two DMs to do the business that we need to do against the top teams. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many points there. I think uh, it is true, guys. I think that um, Sterling is really looking like a kind of a um, a bit of a glory hunter uh, rather than helping out the team. That is definitely true. And uh, also, I, I was quite interested in that remark you meant about uh, about sort of you know challenging uh, journalists. You could really do with some kind of a um, a football version of uh, Jeremy Paxman. I guess the closest you've got to that is Roy Keane, who, to give him credit, he was, you know, you could see that lip curling at the end when he saw everyone hugging each other. Uh, and uh, you would, you, you know, almost, uh, you know, like that. It's a bit refreshing. But um, uh, Colin Savage, I think this uh, particular pod, we're going to come in for a bit of a bashing uh, from the happy clappers, who are, who are, of course, making the point, well, it's six clean sheets. Does that give you any crumbs of comfort, the six clean sheets, uh, Colin? Well, uh, yes, of course it does, because one of the things we've um, uh, complained about in the past is our defensive uh, lack of defensive solidity. Um, I, I think that has something to do with the personnel. Um, I think Diaz has made a huge difference. Uh, brilliant to see John Stones. Uh, I thought was excellent yesterday. Um, so you can't. You can't complain about being defensively solid. And, and to be fair, people pointed out to me that um, yesterday was the first time we haven't actually scored. So we put in five against Burnley. We put in five. Uh, we put in. Uh, you know, we scored against Fulham. Uh, no, actually, we, we didn't score against Porto, did we? Um, but, so yes, on the one hand, defensive solidity is fine. But on the other hand, if you want to win things, you've got to score goals. And uh, we had two shots on target yesterday. The, the, the one that um, Mares put straight at De Gea. And, and I swear, that guy must have magnets in his shin pads because the number of shots that go straight at him um, is incredible. And, mm. and then the, the, the very weak chance from Rodri later on. Uh, you know, yes, it's fine being defensively solid. And I think we've got, behind Spurs, we've got the second best defensive record in the uh, Premier League. So kind of it shut the journalists up. Mind you, still some... Some 
talk about our defensive frailties or weaknesses. But, you know, we, we've conceded just 11 goals, which is two, uh, six fewer than Liverpool, um, six fewer than Southampton, one fewer than Chelsea, um, uh, a lot less, six fewer than United, seven fewer than Everton. Um, you know, so there's only Spurs who have conceded two fewer goals than us. But you, you, you win things by scoring goals as well as... And it's about finding that balance. And I remember when Roberto Mancini came along. I mean, Mark Hughes couldn't organise a defence to save his life. Yeah. And we went through that run of draws where we were shipping goals right left centre, after which he was sacked. Uh, Roberto Mancini came along. The first thing he did was make our defence more solid. No issue with that at all. Then we became more expansive. And of course, you know, we ended up going into the 2011-12 season and scoring six goals at Old Trafford. Um, but, you know, that, that was part of a plan to, uh, you know, to achieve a, a set objective, to achieve a strategy. Uh, but we've, we've kind of gone backwards. We shouldn't have to be going to that because we know what we can do. I, I don't mind you know, g- giving away a goal on the break if we're scoring three or four past the opposition. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, the, only, the only person who gets anything for clean sheets is the goalkeeper, Golden Gloves Award. So, you know, I'm, I'd rather win 2-1 than, than see a, 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 a gutless goalless draw um you know and you know let's behave united are uh, as um lacking up front as we are at the moment so you know getting keeping a clean sheet against the likes of fulham against the likes of burnley at the bottom of the table against the united united who um who are they're in eighth position which is probably about where they deserve to be probably a bit higher than they deserve to be yet we're in ninth so yeah, I'm I'm happy with a good defence because you can build on a good defence. But we've almost gone backwards. If Pep's doing that to rebuild, um, you know, the forward side of things, then okay, perhaps in a year's time or two years' time, we'll look back and say, yeah, it was a necessary step we had to take back to be able to take two steps forwards. But we've taken those steps forward. You know, what? Why? Why are we going back to seeing a clean sheet as the be all and end all? Mm-hmm. Well, the, well, there's just, there's one more just point. Right. Ray, if you just just throw this in, Ray. Just um, maybe you can make your point and then ask this. But I'll ask this anyway because a lot of people have been saying that um, uh, that there that a, a contributory factor to all of this is um, no fans in the stadium and just this this atmosphere of you know this library like atmosphere with just a few people shouting out. Um, plays a plays a part in these kinds of results. Maybe you could take that after you make the point you were going well, to make. I'll say that now. Look, it, it does make a difference. But the last game at Old Trafford with fans, they beat us. Okay, so you know, last season we lost to United three times. Uh, maybe one was behind closed doors, two weren't. So I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not just going to accept that the lack of fans. Is, is what's hurting us because it affects everybody the same. Uh, you know, are, are we going to turn around and say the lack of intensity, the lack of people shouting and screaming is uh, affecting us more than other teams? It shouldn't be because mentally we should be the best uh, prepared. One thing Colin talked about, the goals for and against. Here's the thing. Manchester City have scored 17 goals this season. Brighton have scored 15. Crystal Palace have scored 17. In the same number of games... Crystal Palace has got the, uh, has got the same number of goals as Man City. West Ham are outscoring us. Southampton are comfortably outscoring us. They've got seven more goals than us. So you know, I understand 
wanting defensive solidity. And as, as Colin has said, under Mancini, that's how he started. Now, if Pep's idea, if you're going to have defensive solidity, then you've got and, and use an extra player as a DM. So you've got two, this double pivot. You've got to make sure your front four are doing the business. Now, Liverpool, I'll, I'll use them as an example of the first team that came in, popped into my head. They have that defensive solidity when they've got, you know, people like um, when Van Dijk is there, when they've got Henderson and Fabinho in front of them protecting. But they've got a front three or four who are doing the business in Mane, Mane Salah, uh, Jota when he's just joined, and Firmino. They're doing the business. You look at Spurs, ultra-defensive in some games, but they've got players who are doing the business, who are hitting the mark with the very few chances they've got in Son and Kane. So they've got people who are delivering where it matters, and that's where we're struggling. We're not delivering um, with that, with our uh, attackers. Now, it might be that Pep, this would have worked. This, this could have worked wonderfully well if we'd got Messi in the summer who, I, I will repeat, the club expected to get messy. They were so sure they were going to get messy this summer that maybe they took their eye off the ball. They said, we can use the personnel we've got in this system. And Messi is that game changer. Whatever anybody wants to say, oh, Messi's 33 years old, he's not the same player he was a few years ago. That's true. But a Messi at 33 was still putting in better numbers than our players last season, better numbers than almost anybody in the Premier League. You can take the two or three, you know, or four best players in different aspects of the, you know, in the last year's Premier League. KDB with 20 assists, well, Messi got 21. Vardy with 20, was it 23 goals or whatever? Messi got 25. Messi, stats-wise, was putting in the numbers for, for um, Barcelona. I don't want to hear about it. it's a farmer's league and everything else. He was putting in the numbers last season. So I think that the club expected to get Messi and Messi would have solved some of our attacking problems. He'd have scored goals, he'd have created, he'd have done great with free kicks and everything else. He'd have been a damn sight better than uh, wherever he played, than whoever he place he took. And I think they took the right off the ball. They didn't get Messi. And then we were in, if you don't get him, you need a striker in this system where you've got so much focus on on your back seven as it is with the two DMs and the four defenders and the goalie. You need the four to be on the top of their game to be really clinical. You need a clinical striker. If you you got a Lewandowski up front, we win that game yesterday. You got to have the right personnel to win that game. I'm sorry with the guys we are on the pitch. We're shadow of our former selves. You know, it might be that they're expecting to get Messi or they think they're going to get Haaland or Patson Dacker or, uh, you know, um, uh, Latoro Martinez or somebody else to be that next generational talent of a striker. But whilst we haven't got them, we're going to still struggle to keep um, banging in the goals. And we don't need to win games 5-0. You know, we've only won one this season 5-0. We don't need to. But you need to score to win games. And that's the bottom of it. You need to score goals. No matter how good you are defensively, if we let no goals in all season, but we we score only a few, we're not going to win the league. You've got to be able to score enough goals to win that league. But 38 goalless draws will get. We'll probably see you relegated. Maybe. That's true. Uh, Colin Savage, it, it, one person on Twitter uh, made a comment that got a lot of uh, feedback, and he just said that um, uh, City have just run out of ideas up front. It's as simple as that. Um, ha- is that an overgeneralization, oversimplification in, in your view? Sorry, uh, say that again. Um, yeah, have the, ha- have City just run out of ideas up front? Well, I'm not so, so sure it's ideas. It's about 
execution, isn't it? I mean, obviously Aguero, having come back, is now out again. I think, I, I gather it was stomach bug of some sort. I'm not Gastroenteritis, sure. yeah. Gastroenteritis, yeah. Gabriel Jesus, I mean, he's second half. You could have taken all that front three off in the first half and, and put training cones on and they'd have been as um, productive as uh, Mares, uh, Sterling and, and, and Gabriel Jesus. I thought um, Jesus had a better second half, but a lot of that was about coming deep and winning the ball. It was almost like playing like um, uh, you know, an extra midfielder, and that, that's not what he's there for. Now, I'm not saying he's wrong to do that. that that's what Gabby Jesus brings us. He give, brings us that energy and work rate and ability to drop deep, which, which Sergio doesn't. You know, Sterling's off for Mares. Um, I'm a bit worried about Mares. I think he might have dementia because he, he's forgotten in two weeks that he, he was a footballer. Um, so inconsistent, isn't he? I know, um, very inconsistent. It's, you know, so, so if you, yeah, I don't think it's about. I think it's partly ideas, but it's more about execution. It's about Mares taking that chance when he had it. It's about Sterling getting a shot away instead of taking that extra touch or two as he does to come inside and try and find a space. You know, it's about doing something different at a set piece, um, you know, at a corner. It, it, you know, it's about getting bodies there. As Ray said, there was there was an incident where, you know, the ball was in a great position. There was no one there. Yeah, it, yeah. It, and it's almost that like we didn't want to commit bodies forward yesterday. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. Is it ideas? Is it that we're kind of more focused on defending from the front and scoring. Um, I, I think we need a four. I think now it's clear to everyone. We need a forward who can make things happen. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Ray pointed that out. Um, there has been a lot of reports about the fact that um, there is a possibility of uh, Haaland becoming available. But uh, Ray, there's just two words that pour <laughs> cold water all over that and that's Mina Raiola isn't it because I don't think that the city board would want to have anything to do with him you've just seen what he's done with all the all the stuff that he stirred up at United Pogba. over Pogba um, it's all I mean is it worth getting involved with that guy City don't want to go down that route you know we've I think trying, you know, we had the thing with Kia Juracin years ago we've had problems with Dimitri Seluk Yaya Tsuri's um, um, agent we don't want problem agents we want easy we want an easy life simple straightforward but i have to throw this out there harland is i think as everybody's seeing a generational talent he's banging in numbers in the german bundesliga and in the champions league that are fantastic and at what 20 21 years old you'd be daft not to be wanting to put a bid in for him you know so i think city will look at that you know he's obviously he's got the links to city with his dad and I think he was a City fan as a kid, or at least wearing City shirts. Uh, if you're wearing a City shirt, then you've got to be a City fan. Um, so th there's a lot of links. There are good players out there. There are good players coming through. We just need somebody who, who's going to score goals, who's going to take the few chances. We're not offering up many chances now. And I said this, as I said in the last couple of seasons, we're not clinical. We, If you create you know, five or six chances, you score one goal, Okay, it's going to come back to bite you at some point, and it is. So we need somebody, whether that's Haaland, whether that's Patson Dacca, whether that's Lotharo Martinez. We need somebody who's to take over from Aguero because you know we don't know. Aguero's not going to get any better. He's not going to get any younger. He's not going to get any faster. He's not, in my opinion, going to be, uh, get any more uh, clinical. Uh, and I don't think he's. I actually think he's going to be more selfish 
as he gets older. Because mm-hmm. if he's not scoring, then what's he doing? You know, he, I don't think he's going to be as creative for the team uh, as possibly in, in the past. You know, where he would pass to Gabriel Jesus for a tapping, now he's going to take that on himself because he needs the numbers for himself. So we need someone who's going to score with every good opportunity. Someone like Son or Harry Kane, you give them a chance, they score. Mm-hmm. And we need someone. We're not going to get them. We need someone like that. And you know. It might be spending the money. I don't think it's going to be um, uh, Owen Palmer. Uh, oh, sorry, Cole Palmer or Liam Delap because I don't think Pep's going to play them. Pep is not going to play these kids. He didn't play them against um, Marseille. You know, you could you can argue Pep wants to win the group and all that. When we were 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go against Marseille, why couldn't he have brought a couple of kids on? So he's not going to give the kids a chance. So it's not. Going to, I don't think it's going to come internally. It has to come from somewhere outside. We're going to have to spend some money again which is what we're all, other fans complain about. I don't care. If we've got the money, we spend it. United always did that. Everybody with money will spend it. And if that's what we need to do, then we need to do that. But we need to get that person who is going to put the ball in the back of the net more often than not. Uh, Colin Savage, a very, very interesting uh, uh, tweet. I've been all across the tweets after this particular debacle. But um, one particular uh, person said that uh, he can't see any real argument against the idea that uh, uh, five or six of these uh, City players in this squad uh, could easily go. And he mentioned the following, uh, Fernandinho, who we know is probably going to be going. Here are the other ones, slightly more controversial. Rodri, uh, Bernardo, Zinchenko, Sterling, Gundogan and Mendy. And... uh, the, the these guys could all go in the opinion of this supporter is uh, is that too dramatic no um no. The, the only name i'd argue for on that not being on that list is probably gundawan because i think right. uh, i think he's criminally underappreciated by city fans but yeah you know um aguero's gone at the end of next season probably uh, yeah. and, and and be honest if we don't get a decent season out of him uh, we have to accept that this season, I mean, uh, he's barely figured this season so far. We're, you know, a third of the way through. Let, let's see what he does for the rest of the season. But yeah, I think everyone said this before. If Pep's planning for the, if he's here for two years, if he's planning for the future, then uh, yeah, I could live with perhaps taking a step back. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's apart from Gundogan, there's no name on that list I um, would argue against being on that list. Uh, so I'll just give that to. Um to uh, Ray again, and I'll just repeat it. Uh, Ray, Ray, you're back, okay? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm ready, I'm yeah, ready. Yeah, it's one person on Twitter that said that uh, he couldn't couldn't see any compelling argument why the following players shouldn't be shipped out um, ASAP. And that doesn't mean right now, but as, as soon as it's practically possible. And this person mentioned Fernandinho, who we all know is probably going anyway, Rodri, Bernardo, Zinchenko, Sterling, Gundogan, and Mendy, and uh, Colin made uh, the obje- yeah. uh, objection to Gundogan. But uh, okay. uh, what do you think about that? Uh, apparently, Wolves wanted Zinchenko again in the summer, nineteen million pounds. He's not going to play for City. He's not going to be ahead of Mendy as a left back. He's not going to be ahead of Cancelo as a left back. Um, he's not going to be in midfield. And when uh, when um, Angelina was here, he was ahead of him. So. He's staying because he wants to stay, and that's it. There's, there's nothing. He's not going to be in midfield. He's not going to be left back. There's no future for Zinchenko at City. 
you know, if Wolves want to offer 19 or 20 million, we have to encourage Zinchenko to leave because it's his decision right now to stay. It's not City's, uh, as far as I, I can see. Gundogan, uh, as Colin said, I think he's underappreciated. People, um, they want scapegoats. City fans want scapegoats. Gundogan's an easy scapegoat. Um, you know, Otamendi was an easy scapegoat. Uh, you know, people have their favourites. You know, if I was to tell you um, that... You know, one of the favourites is Aguero. But if I was to tell you, Aguero has five chances for every goal. You know, if you look at the stat, there's a stat a couple of seasons back. When when Sterling was doing really well, Sterling was a more clinical finisher than Aguero. Sterling was on about 33 to 35%. Aguero was on about 20%. Maybe Sterling's chances were easy. He had more tap-ins. Uh, I didn't look at the actual chances, but people have their favourites. Uh, Gundogan is not one of the favourites. But I'll say this to, to people. Jurgen Klopp had Gundogan. He wanted him at Liverpool, I believe. Pep wanted him at City. All the big clubs, you know, he's linked with Barcelona. All the big clubs wanted him. Pep bought him when he was injured. Why? Because he's good enough. Why do other top managers want Gundogan? Because he's very, very good. And, you know, sometimes there's things that go on in football matches that us mere mortals do not understand. Um, and people do not understand Gundogan. He adds so much to our team. And remember, it's only two two seasons ago when Fernandini was injured for three months that Gundogan played defensive midfielder and we won 14 um, games on the banks to win the title ahead of Liverpool. So he must have had something about him to be able to to, to handle that role. So I, I'm not going to say no to, to, to get rid of him just yet. Mendy, I don't think he's... He's shown sparks this season, but I just don't think he's going to be the man that we want. Uh, I, I, I still have him behind Concello. Once again, you have to see how the season develops. Sterling, I want to see Sterling on the right. I want to see he's 26 years old now. He should be getting better and better and better. And I don't see it. I want to see him play on the right to see if he can do it. Gabriel Jesus, I want to see him play out wide on the left. Like Firmino does, put that hard work in. Don't rely on him to be your main goal scorer. Um, Mares, ship him out uh, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he'll ever be good enough. He's, what, 29 years old? I don't think he'll ever be good enough to for what we want. We do need, and I don't want to go down the route of just buying new players and shipping players out, but I look at that team, Rodri, I, I, I repeat, what does he do? You know, we need someone to free up Rodri. We need to have Gundogan or Fernandinho there to free up Rodri. And all the times we make fun of United when they brought this new player to free up Pogba. Well, why are we freeing up Rodri? To do what? If he's creating uh, assists, if he's creating great opportunities, I say, OK, fair enough. But he's not. I would rather have a, a proper creative player, um, whether it's Houston Mawar or whoever you want, I want a proper creative player. Now, that could have been Bernardo. You know, he's fallen off form as well. I, I, there's some players I wouldn't get rid of just because, with, say, two years ago, they were brilliant, like Bernardo. It's been, he's had one and a half years of eh, not, not brilliant football, but I still think he's got it. So there are players that I want to see given a chance. But, you know, it might just be Pep just, they should just say to Pep, who do you want to keep? Throw everybody, you know, up in the air and pick the five or six players you want to keep and then fill in the gaps for the uh, for the system you want. If the system you want is with two DMs, then you need better uh, uh, creative players and better strikers. If the system you want is with one DM, you know we need a better DM. I wouldn't get rid of Fernandinho. I would. I'm quite happy to keep Fernandinho even for another season because for me he's better than Rodri. He's better for right, Rodri but, than Rodri. 
let me let me just jump in and ask this to Colin Savage. Uh, Colin, let me just paint a, a little mental picture for you. I mean, how attractive does this idea sound to you where some of these uh, players are moved on and uh, City obviously were flushed with success until uh, Liverpool's um, uh, title win last season. And imagine three or four less heralded, um, energetic, hungry players from around Europe being brought in to give this team a real injection of voltage. Yeah, I, that's something I'm, I think we need at the moment. And I think that that view is, is um, some players are either not living up to their reputations or have lived beyond their reputations. And I think, um, for me, this season is a crucial one for a lot of players because if um, players like uh, you know Bernardo and Sterling fail to deliver, then they've got to be replaced. I mean, football's a cruel game. Um, you know, players, there's all sorts of tales about players having a great time at a club and then the manager gets that new manager comes in, they're not in tune with, the, you know, and the, and the player's kind of career falls apart. Um, you know, there's players who have struggled, new manager comes in and they've been revitalised. You think about, um, for example, uh, who in the right circumstances uh, was had, a, had that really spectacular season. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it's about, football's about changing things. Uh, football never stands still. Teams that play the same way as Sheffield United are getting found out. Teams that play the same way or try to play the same way get found out. Uh, and um, I would like us, I think up front is where you've got to spend the money. You've got to have a proven striker. But, um, you know, there's plenty of options you can bring in to support the proven striker. You know, if Haaland is your first choice striker, then, you know, we've still got Gabriel Jesus. There's people like um, Ben Yedder, who I think, uh, whenever I've seen him, has been looked dangerous. And I don't think he gets a regular game. So, um, obviously, must be a reason for that. But, you know, it, you've got to freshen things up. And it's interesting, actually, that looking at, we talked about uh, defensive solidity. When you looked at that list of players who were seen as disposable, the players not on the list are uh, uh, Diaz, Walker, Laporte, Stones, Cancelo, uh, and Ake, as well as um, KDB and Aguero. And I think Gabriel Jesus, I think, would probably, um, you know, is a survive the goal. I would hang on to Jesus as a backup striker if he's happy. But, you know, six of the people on the list of players we think we've got to keep are defenders. And, and when you think that last season we were crying out for a decent centre-back, now we've got we've got Diaz, uh, we've got Stones, we've got Laporte, we've got Ake, uh, we've got Cancelo who can play in either left-back or right-back or even in midfield. So, you know, from that sense, yes, we are looking better. We are looking better set up. But the question marks are around the players in front of them these days. Even Kevin De Bruyne is not playing well. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, you know, you look at so many players, you know, players that, that we know what they can do, Bernardo, Sterling, um, and they're just not doing it for us. And, and you've got to ask, how long does patience last with these yeah. players? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that occurred to me when watching the game was um, uh, sometimes, I, you know, Kevin, there was a, a period in the game where I think Kevin De Bruyne went off the ball for me. And um, the idea of, of Pep being big enough to fetch him off, um, it was never, ever going to happen, was it? And, uh, uh, you know, some, some people even suggested, well, you know, one of the problems that 
we have is that uh, Bernardo and Kevin De Bruyne, they, they, I'm not going to say that they perform similar roles, but they don't really seem to work in the same um, midfield. Um, you would like to, you'd like to see Pep, you'd like to see Pep just, you know, when sometimes, just sometimes when KDB isn't performing, fetching him off and putting Bernardo on and see if that makes a difference. I understand that. I think one of the issues is in the past, when we had one DM, you had two attacking midfielders in David Silva and um, uh, KDB. Sometimes when David wasn't there, you might have Gundogan there or Bernardo or whoever. And that took a little bit of the workload off uh, KDB. You know, David Silva would control the game, the tempo and the passes, and KDB would just be his creative, magical self. Now, I think the onus is on KDB as the sole provider. He's the only attacking midfielder, creative guy there. He's our sole sole provider. Um, and the pressure upon him, he, I think sometimes he makes wrong decisions. Sometimes he tries to make too much happen too soon. He's not past it. He's only, what, 28, 29 years old. So he's still at the top of his game. But I think that additional pressure isn't uh, working for him. Um, so we need to, you know, as I said, that midfield, I think, um, is, is, where it, is where it's at. Now, we either, as I said, either have one DM and two attacking midfielders, take the pressure off KDB, have somebody else to help run the game with him so he doesn't have to take too much on himself or try too hard and he can just be more natural and let it happen because he knows he's got somebody else on him uh, to help him and he knows he's not the only one that's going to deliver. But are we ever going to do that? I don't think so. And and Pep seems to want to keep KDB on because he's our star man. He's our our creator. You know, I think if if David Silva was still on the pitch and 32 years old, you could take KDB off and bring Bernardo on and have two people buzzing around and creating. But when when you're playing with one creative attacking midfielder, then there's so much onus is on his shoulders and mm-hmm. it's very, very difficult for him to deliver. But has Pep, as you said it before, has he got the cojones to change things around? Uh, or he, for me, he's just, he's playing it safe far too often. Yeah, that, that is the point. I think maybe it is the case that um, obviously those three losses against United, he didn't want any more egg on his face um, in that regard. And so obviously... Um, you're going to play Rodri and Fernandinho in midfield. You're sacrificing uh, a lot more than 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 people might think. But um, uh, I do want to move on, guys. But is there anything else that either of you would like to say about this game before we just uh, take a look at um, the situation <laughs> in Europe and also the t- situation in the league? I've got one point about yeah. the Manchester City's um, official Twitter account. They put this tweet up of a brick wall, of the of the defenders and the goalkeeper making a brick wall because City had had six, was our, uh, was our you know, best run of um, um, goalless games. Uh, sorry. Um, clean uh, sheets, yep. Clean sheets. Six, yep. And, um, you know, some wags, there's always some wags who make some comments, but, you know, my comment is, I don't, you know, this is what it's come to when Manchester City's official Twitter account, is this the, the mindset of the club that we're praising something so that we don't have to criticise something else. You know, we're pushing this fact that City have done really well uh, at the back to cover up the fact that, uh, you know, we, we, we can't score goals. It's absolutely crazy. And I, just one other point I will say, because of all this, I'm just looking at my YouTube channel and I've got two videos on Pats and Dakar. And today, one of them has gone ballistic. 
So, you know, the, the maybe uh, I haven't checked the uh, the rumours today, but maybe that rumour is very strong of, about Pat Sandaka uh, coming to City. Sorry, who, well, who is this, Ray? Pat Sandaka. He's a, a Zambian kid. I think he's 21, 22 years old. Um, he plays for RB uh, Salzburg. And, and you might remember uh, a, a certain Mr. Harlem played there until January last year. It's only one year since he left. Uh, Pat Sandaka, yeah, he's 22 years old. Back in, in October, he's 22. He's just come back from an injury. But when he was playing with Haaland that season, the 2019-20 season, which is only last season, as I said, he played 31 times in the Austrian Bundesliga. He scored 24 goals. 24 goals in 31 games. This season, uh, as I said, he had a little injury, missed a few games. He's played six games and got six goals. And in total this season, including Europe and the Cups, He's played 14 games and got 12 goals. So this um, was Haaland's uh, partner when he was in Austria. Ha- up, yeah, he's playing up front for, with, with Haaland. Then obviously Haaland, Haaland was doing better than a goal a game for Salzburg. And Pat Sandaka is, is doing almost uh, in, in, in the league. He's got 30 goals in 37 games. Um, and you know this is a team with... The, the, there's a kid, the Sh- uh, line. Uh, I can't get his name right. The Hungarian... Yeah, the Arsenal were interested in. Yep. Everybody's interested in him. He's going to go to... Um, he's going Dortmund, I think. Um, he's going to go to Germany now, uh, rather than come to Arsenal. So there's a lot of good young players out there, you know. And he looks like one. So it seems that uh, you know the amount of interest I've got on my channel for this guy is is amazing. So uh, there must be some um, something out there people talk about. And I, and I talked to an, an Austrian football. Um, football person, a guy called Lee Wingate, who really was singing his praises. Uh, I mean, he actually suggested he goes to the Bundesliga for a couple of seasons before coming to someone like City because he, he thinks he needs to keep developing. But um, he, you know, this this kid, he's he's another one. There are a few players out there, I think. And if you watch him play, if it, it, it feels a bit like Sadio Mane, he is he manages to get ahead of defenders. When they think they've got the ball, this kid nicks it away from them. They think they've got they've got the situation under control. He's got that he's got that speed of thought and the speed of movement and fast feet to make things happen. So we do need somebody. I don't know who it's going to be, but we we certainly need to do something either in in January if if Aguero's not going to be fit, or next summer if Aguero is fit. All right. Well, uh, let's do, let's just uh, change uh, topics as we as we come. Uh, a little bit closer to the end of this pod, but um, obviously, uh, guys, something we haven't talked about, and I don't think that we're going to that much, is a 3-0 win against uh, Marseille. Obviously, goals by Torres and uh, Aguero, uh, and uh, that was a little bit of a false dawn because we knew pretty much after that game that Aguero would not be featuring in the derby, and then uh, Gonzalez for Marseille um, getting in the way of of, of a strike by Sterling and, and a 90th minute uh, own goal and uh, obviously uh, City very, very comfortably through top of the group. Now, here's my question to Colin Savage. Uh, Colin, perhaps uh, you might be able to bring up the list of teams that are uh, into the round of 16 in the Champions League while I'm waffling away here. And so my question for you first and then for Ray is, uh, obviously, the draw is coming up. Um who would you uh, like for us to be facing and who would you like to avoid, ideally? 
And uh, that would be for Colin, first of all. Um, well, OK, let's go through the teams in the draw. I've got them. So, obviously, we're in the seeded group, having won uh, our group, and along with uh, Bayern, Chelsea, uh, Borussia Dortmund, Juve, Liverpool, Paris Saint-Germain and Real Madrid. The unseeded eight are Atalanta, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Lazio, Porto, RB Leipzig and Sevilla. So the only team we can't get in that second group is Porto, obviously because they were in the group with us. Um, but kind of, we did, uh, you know, you look at that, you look at that group and say the one team you'd want to avoid is Atletico at this stage. Uh, but anyone else, you know what? I'm not too bothered. So uh, any other six, Atalanta, even Barcelona, uh, you know, Messi could be with us for that game in February. Borussia Mönchengladbach, probably the the second team I'd want to avoid. Lazio. <laughs> Leipzig or, or Sevilla, um, um, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get an easy game. But I think of all those, you'd probably say uh, Atalanta or Lazio would be the preferred option. Right. Well, same question to you, Ray. I was quite interested, as I say, I was listening to the main road ramble, and they 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 quite fancied us against Barcelona or Lazio. What what are your views? Uh, <clears throat> well, I don't want to play Atletico Madrid, as Colin said. Um, Especially given that we're not scoring many goals and they don't tend to let in too many goals. Um, Munch and Gladbach, I don't mind. I don't mind playing them. Um, who else? Um, Atlanta, they usually score a lot, but they let in a lot as well. So we've beaten them before, so I'm not worried. Sevilla, uh, I, I don't know how they managed to get in, into the next stage of Champions League because they are, always seem to be happy to drop into, into the yeah, Europa so, League. Someone messed that. up there, obviously. Yeah, yeah someone needs to be fired. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I said, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm copying you then, Colin. Someone needs to be severely reprimanded then. Um, I don't mind Barcelona, uh, as people said, because that, they're just not the same team. Lazio, I don't mind. And uh, RB Leipzig, they're not as good as all that. Uh, I'm, I'm just disappointed we're not playing Istanbul Besaksa here, um, the the destroyers of Man United. Well, Man United, you got to laugh at them, the way they they did that group when you know they won the first two games against PSG and uh, smashed Leipzig and then ended up getting knocked out. <laughs> so funny. Um, but I don't I don't mind too much uh, against RB Leipzig, especially if Angelino uh, is uh, ineligible to play because he's on loan from us. Um, but look, end of the day, there's no easy games. There's no easy games, and if you want to win it, uh, you're going to beat good teams. And last season, we would have said, oh, yeah, Leon, it's not a hard game. We should be winning, that, beating them. So you can't take any, anything for granted. Whoever you, you come up against, and you might actually argue, the better the opponents, the better we'll play. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people were saying that they would have much preferred a, um, a, a group, uh, you know, a, a, a set of teams in, in our group where it, we, there was one serious challenger uh, as well as the usual sort of whipping boys. But... Um, yeah, that's true. Well, uh, guys, let's move on uh, once again. And uh, uh, one thing that um, certain uh, uh, Bolton Blue supporters enjoy is when we bring up the league table. We get the old BBC league table up and we expand it so we have the full one. A lot of people are enjoying um, certain statistical uh, anomalies and uh, uh, strange things in, in the league at the moment. And of course... Uh, next up for us in the league, if I'm not mistaken, is at home to West Bromwich um, on a Tuesday, obviously, and uh, then um, 
uh, away to Southampton. Um, so uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this, guys, because uh, they were the they were two of the teams in uh, what a lot of people say was this um, this string of winnable games um, that uh, City could take advantage of. Um, West Bromwich, Albion, Colin, uh, how do you see that going? Well, we should win that, shouldn't we? I mean, simple as that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's at home. They're in the bottom three, aren't they? Um, just checking. No, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, according to Ray's bottom, little calculus, yeah, that should the, be at a, the bottom of that group above Sheffield United. Uh, they've won one game. They've scored nine goals. They've conceded twenty-five, which is the highest. Um, you can't see any anything but a comfortable city. When they're another Fulham Burnley, aren't they? Uh, who are just mm-hmm. above them. So you can't see anything other than a com- comfortable City win there. Southampton look a different prospect, don't they? Oh, yeah, that will be a tasty game. Yeah. And I'm going to miss it because my daughter's getting married. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that will be an interesting game. <laughs> well, well, Colin, I hope you'll be one of those guys that I've seen at weddings so many times. Um, <laughs> you know, once the festivities are over in the back, surrounded by their mates looking at their cell phone. Um, but well, uh, guys, Southampton are third because you know, we're recording yeah, this yeah. on Sunday afternoon. They've just beaten Sheffield United three nil. Um, so, as I said earlier, they scored a ton of goals. I think they scored twenty four goals in twelve games. They look defensively pretty decent and attacking the, the scoring goals. So, it's going to be um, a really difficult game, a really difficult game. And is Pep going to look at that and say that's another one we can't afford to lose and let's go and draw it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, very. I think- so Southampton actually are a couple of centre backs short of a really great team. Um, yeah. Well, if they you know they've, they've let in fifteen goals, uh, 17 goals. So it's quite a, quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know they can be got at, but at the moment we're not getting at anyone. That's it. I mean, there's just no way of telling what what City are going to turn up in that game. Uh, I'm. It's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Uh, just to back up what we were saying earlier on goals conceded, that particular little column there is quite interesting. So um, only it looks like only Tottenham Hotspur have conceded fewer. And uh, yeah, there's quite some distance between us and uh, obviously the, the bigger boys. That was an interesting result, wasn't it? Chelsea getting done in the last minute by Everton with that penalty um, that burst their little button uh, or bubble. But um yeah. Still, as I look at it, I'm just thinking we're not winning this league, guys. <laughs> Tottenham look maybe just a shape. I don't know. Maybe there's not much difference really between Tottenham and Liverpool, and uh, those are the teams that, as Ray mentioned, they've they've got a, a, a potent attack, and they don't uh, seem to be struggling um, putting the ball in the back of the net in the same way that we are. Um, so th- there are little groups, aren't there, guys? They're sort of like Tottenham and Liverpool, who seem to be the best, and then Southampton, Chelsea, Leicester, um, d- doing very, very well. West Ham does seem very strange for the, the position that they're in, and then you've basically got like this little squad of teams that we're a part of. I mean, you could if you if you started at West Ham, you could go West Ham, Everton, United, City. Aston Villa, obviously, with a game in hand. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you could nearly cluster that little group there from six to, to ten and say that... You can even go down to Wolves. Wolves are in 13th place and they're only three points behind. Yeah, uh, there's three on 17, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Ray. I mean, that's quite like a mid-table squad of teams. Mediocrity, that you, I think they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we're one of them. 
and then you get down to really the the strugglers the like dregs, Arsenal, like Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah obviously and um gosh just looking at that row of losses for Sheffield United they've really fallen off a cliff haven't well, they, they? they lose the last three of last season as well so you know yeah. they've got one point in the last I think 15 games I, I had them down for relegation at the start of the season I, I just um couldn't see them bouncing back mm-hmm. yeah I and mean, it's interesting uh, Chris Wilder obviously being heralded as the as the great white hope um for a good deal of of last season, and 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 look at them now, yeah. Uh, Fulham and Burnley, obviously, uh, pretty pretty dire, really. Been not much better is is Brighton there, but um, yeah. Is there anything is there anything that um, that stands out to you, uh, Colin, that we haven't already talked about either this week or last week, or or are we pretty much uh, up to speed here? Well, there was one thing. Of course, there was that near miss with the penalty, the traditional United penalty yesterday, which we didn't talk about, where um, I think Carl Walker went grazed Rashford's toe and yeah. St. Marcus that... went flying as though a grenade had gone off behind him. That was uh, the VAR thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm not at all convinced that would have been overturned by VAR, but fortunately, um, St. Marcus of Rashford was offside slightly. Yeah. Because that I'm looked not, for I'm, all the you know, world I've like. I complained um, about the offside law. I'm not going to complain about that one. Yeah, I've got, looked... got to mention, guys, uh, that Walker. I mean, I think he he was a sponsors man of the match yesterday. But for me, he had an appalling start to that second half with that. Uh, that you know, he was the guy who was nowhere in sight. Where Rashford was miles ahead of him. If Rashford had been on side, it was Walker's fault, in my opinion. And then he was the guy who fouled him. Uh, and v- very soon after that, Walker was at it again. Um, you know, Rashford was through again. Uh, he was a little bit wider this time, and he shot wide. But my question is, where was Walker? Uh, and then um, two minutes later, Walker. Uh, in my notes, Walker gives away the ball away cheaply. Three minutes later, Walker kicks, pa- making a pass, passes it off the pitch. And, and this is one of my issues with Walker. People say he's, he's a wonderful right back. I say he's, he's a bit rash. He's got, you know. A great ability to go forward, and he's got obviously the pace and the power and the strength, physicality, and all that. But he he's clueless at times. He he switches off, uh, and I I mentioned it last season against Leon. He switched off. He switched off against Arsenal in the FA Cup semi final. He, he switched off two or three times this season, uh, and on this occasion he was lucky. So. Are you saying he's our new Otamendi then, Ray? He's not a new Otamendi. Otamendi just does daft things. You know, as Colin said, you play a cracking game and then you do something daft. That's different. Otamendi will just dive in or something. But Walker... That sounds like pretty much what what daft things, though. Yeah, but what what, what Walker is doing, it's it's a concentration thing. It's playing players on side. It's not knowing where the back line is when you're the last man. You know, um, not knowing that someone's behind you. Otamendi, we usually used to say he just dives in like an idiot, um, you know, and, and goes to ground and lets someone go past him or bring someone down. Walker is just making mistakes that are to do with, lack, for me, lack of concentration. Um, and, you know, I don't know where, where his mind is, you know. Uh, I, won't, I don't want to even <laughs> try and guess where his mind is at times, but you can't be making some of those mistakes. Well, listen, we're not going to go too hard on him this time, guys, because I've been sent what I think might be my new profile picture where someone has got a picture of um, Kyle Walker 
famously uh, spraying water into the air and it's been digitally altered so that the water is now fire. And uh, so this could be, this could actually be my new profile picture. I'm very, very pleased with it. And thank you to the guy that, that sent it to me. But um, yeah, that's pretty much everything that I wanted to say, but I'm sure there may be more. Can I talk one minute on women's football? Um, oh, okay. Man City okay. women back in the Champions League, round of 32. There was no group stages this year. They've gone straight to a round of 32. They were playing uh, Gothenburg in Sweden on uh, last Wednesday. And uh, City won 2-1. Gothenburg scored very early within the first was it two minutes. Uh, Vilda scored. Um, sorry, I can't remember the rest of her name. That's the first name. Uh, the rest of her name. Uh, Vilda Boa Risa. I think that's her name. Um, and uh, but then City piled on the pressure. We were pretty much all over them for the, about 80 minutes of that game. Uh, we hit the woodwork two or three times. We scored the two goals. We should have scored a lot more. But hey, you know, a win is a win, uh, as predicted by me in a preview. I, I predicted two one, and I said it was our midfield. I think that ran that game. We've got the uh, second leg uh, this Wednesday at the uh, CFA. Sadly, no fans again. Um, and we're playing Arsenal today, so obviously we're recording on Sunday. We're playing Arsenal. I think it's just started that game. Uh, and I want to just say happy birthday to Demi Stokes. It's her birthday yesterday. And all the best. If you've been in the media, heard about Jen Beatty, who's got uh, cancer. I think she had uh, cancer. And she came out and um, uh, has been talking about that. And also to somebody that you probably never heard of, but I think it's the Bristol City women's team coach, Tanya Oxtoby, who... Um, uh, I think she's either due to give birth or going to give birth very, very, very soon, or just has. But she had COVID when she was six months pregnant. So just a, a little bit of a shout out to them and all the best to the um, those two people. Well, well, that is uh, that is Ray is Ray's particular. Uh, I'm not going to say newfound interest, but um, yeah, we're we're grateful for that. Uh, but it probably wouldn't be the same unless we also uh, ask Colin Savage about his other. Uh, Hobby. Any any updates on the on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, Mr. Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, yeah, suffered their first defeat of the season to uh, the Washington Football Team, and and oh, they no. have they they are mirroring City in some way. Scalped have... by the by the Redskins, or or well, well yeah, we Redskins can't call anymore. them the Redskins anymore, of course. But um, they they, they <laughs> are looking poor at the moment, and um, but uh, looking like they were going to go fifteen uh, zero. For this, for the regular season, uh, uh, I mean, they, they've got. I think they got a playoff. I think they're short of a playoff place. But um, the way it works this season is, I think the top seeds go straight through to the divisional championship or something. So um, they're neck and neck with the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, and they've got a big one tonight. Um, uh, Buffalo Bills, Ooh. Uh, and that's uh, an eight p.m. Eastern time kickoff. So. Uh, 8.20, 1.20 a.m. Uh, UK time. Mm-hmm. So breakfast time, mid, mid-morning for you, Mike. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm hoping to stay awake to watch that, and I've got the day off work tomorrow. I hope I'm not disappointed, but they are not looking good at the moment. Is that name not a bit discriminatory against Buffaloes? Sorry? The Buffalo Bills. Should they be Bills, looking yeah, at yeah. a name change? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit um, it's a bit of a, oh, it's a grudge match because my... My, my my son's brother-in-law is a Buffalo's Bills fan. So, um, you know, it's a bit of a family one, that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll just finish off there by saying, of course, guys, um, Colin was helping you out. When he when he said 15 and 0, he was he surely meant 15 and 0. 
got to got to stick with the link. Right? Yeah, got to use the terminology. <laughs> Fantastic. Sorry, yeah. Well, that'll do us for 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 this one, guys. And uh, we'll sign off. And uh, just uh, thank you profusely. This uh, this was a lot more therapeutic and fun than I thought it was gonna be. But um, you have been listening to Ray from City Fan TV. Thank you, Ray. I, uh, thank you so much, guys. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh huh. You've also been listening to Colin Savage, or as you know him on Twitter, Prestwich Blue. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, so it's very therapeutic or cathartic, whichever way you want to look at it, to <laughs> get a chance to sound off. So thank you for that. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, guys, you'll uh, hear from us again very, very shortly. But until you do, let's finish off in the normal way by saying we hope that you have one on us. Watch the Pittsburgh Steelers, keep up with the women's game, and uh, keep your chin up. Things will get a bit better uh, for the men's team. So until we see you again, have one on us and up the blues.